Book club's back. It's another book club. We're kind of on a roll with our book club. Hold on one second. You did a book club with other women and about Miss Pat's book? Yes, Kathy. Holy fucking shit. My book club team is Kathy and Kirsten. Right. In the beginning of my podcast, I would email like six or eight people and go, who wants to book the club this book? The only two people who ever did it consistently were Kathy and Kirsten. So I've just like only asked them to read this book. This book blew some minds. Bro, have you heard her on Rogan's podcast? Well, I haven't even announced the book yet. They don't know who I'm talking about. The, the baby, it's in the title of the of the podcast. Some people don't read. They just listen. Some people subscribe. And hey, who, who is this podcast with? This podcast is with Kathy and Kirsten. It's my book club podcast about Miss Pat's autobiography, which is called Rabbit, the Autobiography of Miss Pat. And it was amazing. You I were could not pulling put me aside book. throughout the entire time reading going like, oh my God. Yeah, I couldn't put it down. And then I asked them to read it. They read it. Both of them read it in one day and they kept going, I cannot put this book down. I cannot put this it's book down. It's one of the greatest books out there. It's amazing because she, this is the her book life that, is insane. This is the book that Lee Daniels read to say, I want to make a movie. I want to make a TV show about you. This should be a movie. Now really? the TV show is, I think is about her current life, yeah. but this book should be a movie. Before, yeah. uh, like a prequel to her TV show. Do you remember when I introduced you to Miss Pat? Yes. No, 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 no. The first time you ever heard her speak yes. on my podcast, yeah, we were driving down Laurel Canyon, crossing over Moore Park, yeah, and 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 I was started my podcast, and you were like, "What? I don't want to." This is when you weren't into podcasting, yeah, and you shit on it, and you're like, "I don't want to. I don't want to listen to your podcast, honey. Can you just please? I was just just listen to the beginning." And I said, "I was asked about the guy that what well, that time you got your your shot in the breast," and she goes. The time my titty got shot off. Yeah. And you went, who's this? She said, that was a drug deal. Drug deal gone wrong. I'm fucked up and shot off my titty. Yeah. And you were like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Miss Pat is one of the most beautiful people around. She really is. She's a blessing to comedy because she's so fucking real. Yeah. On Rogan, she was talking about how fucking a black man who can't read is so much better than fucking a black man with a job. Yeah. And she goes, you you need you, you got to fuck a black guy who can't read. Wait, that was your takeaway? You know what my takeaway was? When what? the social workers show up and go, your pussy been reported. Your pussy been reported. You got crabs and fleas and gonorrhea. Your pussy been reported. You got to go get treated. I was like, what? Social uh, workers showed uh, up because one of the other girls, this married man was fucking had uh crabs and she reported who else he was sleeping with and social services would go find all those women and get them treated this book i've got to read this well that's not in the book that's in the podcast with joe rogan oh you listen to the podcast with i listened rogan? to it today but i didn't listen to it before we discussed the book club because i just wanted to talk about her book i didn't want to get them confused i can't believe you listened to an episode of joe rogan i know it's my second one Finally, I've been listening to those fucking po podcasts for almost nine years. He's very positive guy. He's the fucking greatest. He's the sweetest guy. He loves, he's very interested, very yeah, fascinated. He is very interested. And celebrates people. Him with Miss Pat, you can tell he's celebrating her life. Well, he damn well should because she had a rough one. As rough as I, I've never heard anybody 
with this rough of an upbringing. Yeah. I mean, anything that you can imagine happened to her happened. And she writes about it so honestly. And this book is written where it reads like effortlessly. It's not a hard book to read. It. I literally read it in like a day and a half only because we were traveling and I couldn't like sit down and focus. But Kathy wrote it in one day, sitting by the pool, read, read it. it in one in one day, sitting by the pool. And Kirsten read it in one day in her house. It's a quick read, but it's just so Maybe good. Maybe that'll be the first book I'll read to get back into reading. It's so good. So I hope you guys enjoy this book club episode of Wife of the Party. Um, and I hope you read this book or listen to her audiobook. It's one of Rabbit. the two. It's called Rabbit, the Autobiography of Miss Pat. Um, both ladies found it at their local library. So it was in the library, ready to go. So you shouldn't have a hard time getting a hold of a copy. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I, I want her to come on my podcast, and I think she is the next time she's in LA, and I can't wait to talk to her, not only about this book, but about her new podcast, um, which is called The Pat Down. And I just subscribed to it, but I haven't listened to it yet. But it's only 30 minutes, so it's got to be it's going to be part of my like daily routine. Nice. Um, well, congrats, Miss Pat. Congrats. I don't know her that well, but I have to say I am I so well as I know her. No, but I am so proud of her. After I read this book, I kept saying I am so proud of her. I, like she just what she accomplished in becoming who she is was a monumental feat of bravery and and hard work. And I'm just so proud of her. So I'm really glad we got to discuss this book. I she hope you great. enjoy it, listeners. Thanks for coming back every week and um, and checking us out at Wife of the Party. I'm really enjoying my podcast. Thanks for all the kind words I get via email and all my posts. I appreciate it. Oh, here's oh, our child. She's I probably starving. Not my daughter. Anyway, thanks again, and I hope you enjoy Rabbit. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. happy to talk about this book and i'm nervous to talk about it <laughs> are you yeah. i am i am nervous to talk about it um i feel like like what you said when we were talking off mic the other day i feel sometimes like we're talking about miss pat's autobiography i should explain i guess it's called rabbit the autobiography autobiography of miss pat anybody who doesn't know miss pat she is african-american she grew up in atlanta she doesn't really give any kind of year dates but i know she's she's somewhere around my age so in the 70s 80s she grew up in atlanta and um sometimes like you said the other day uh kirsten i don't know that i have a right to have any kind of opinion on her life or what it's like because i'm white and as you're born a white person you have so many privileges that 
other ethnicities don't have. And for me to, a lot of her book made me really angry. And so I don't want anybody to think that I, or or any of us, any of the three of us think that we have any kind of privileged point of view or anything like that. And anything I say in this whole episode, um, obviously I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because I didn't grow up black and poor in Atlanta in the seventies, but. I can only talk about my experience of this book. So I don't want anybody to think, you know, anything mm-hmm. bad from anything I say about, not that I plan on saying anything radical, but I don't know, it just made me nervous. You know, the atmosphere of today's world is such that people tend to react very strongly to anything you say without thinking about what the context is or the meaning or the purpose or the benefit of the doubt of the person that's saying it. So... So anyway, well, I, I I'm nervous to talk about it because um, <laughs> I couldn't get through a chapter without crying. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just said to my kids, I was like, if I'm crying in there, it's not a big deal. It's about the book. <laughs> all right. It's okay. Don't come in. I know all our kids are in the pool while we're podcasting. So <laughs> if someone comes in and interrupts us while we're sobbing, <laughs> they've been prepared, right? Yeah. I was telling Kathy, I think it sent them the wrong message that um, they were like crying over a book. Okay. Just another excuse not to read. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Right? I hope not. Books always better than a movie. Yeah. I don't I can't think of a single movie that was better than the book. Um, anyway, where do we start with this book? We should start by saying this we should sh- be a movie. I mean, that's so funny. Go, it has to be it at w- some point. It was yeah. so, I mean, I could picture the entire thing. It's so, I, I mean, first of all, what a story. Yeah. Like what characters, um, what a huge arc. Like, yeah. I mean, the redemption, the, I mean... Before we start, the funny thing I thought about is this is the fastest we've ever turned around a book club book You're ever. Right. Ever. Yeah. You were like ever. literally a week ago, we should read this book. And we're like, done, done, like, done. And generally it's like seven weeks. We're like, okay, yeah, just book the damn podcast. I'll finish the book. Yeah. I it's yeah. Saturday yeah. and right. Kathy this read it in a day. Literally a day. Yeah. Yep. And it was, I, I read would, it two days. Yeah. I would have read it in a day. If not for the fact that I kept putting you it down because I crying. Because <laughs> no. I'd read and just go, oh, my God, I can't like and just to process it. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that she goes through at the ages that she goes through yeah. is like the ages of our kids right now. And to think of what she was dealing with mm-hmm. and the responsibility yeah. and the the hardships that she was going through. It was really hard not to take it very personally and to just imagine our daughters. We all have daughters the same ages that and wow. The magnitude of what she was experiencing is so unbelievably foreign to what our girls are experiencing that it was incredibly jarring. Yeah. Yeah. Did it make you go, are you seriously complaining? That you're not getting a second Coca-Cola. That's what you're oh pl- complaining God. about. Did it give I you mean, any of that? Because it did me. I kept looking at my kids going, no, not like that. But we were on our vacation in Bali when I was reading this book. And I kept going, you have no idea how lucky you are. You have no idea. And I don't want you to learn through any path that Miss Pat has taken yeah, how right. lucky you are. But I would like for you to, if I could download her book without downloading 
Yeah. You know, they're they're yeah. too young to read this book. Yeah. But if I could download that kind of awareness of, wow, people have it so much yeah. worse. You just want to, like, give them a computer chip of gratitude to, like, just, you know, <laughs> plug it yes. in, like, give them a shot going, oh, wow, look at what a lucky, happy, grateful life we have. We have parents who love us, like, just at the bare minimum and parents who can afford to feed us. And who and, are like, together. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, holy shit. <laughs> like every possible yeah. deficit you could imagine, I think she experienced. Yeah. Every deficit. Food insecurity, um, sexual um, predatorness <laughs> happening multiple times, um, alcoholic parent. Uncaring uh, teacher. Uncaring teacher, yes. Um, a, a vast culture of poverty. Yes. Like it wasn't yes. just her, but like yeah, that's, racism. That racism. <laughs> yeah. uh, big time. Um Oh my God. Violence. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's literally like every negative thing you could possibly throw at a child. Right. And I know yeah. Miss Pat doesn't want to be like the spokesperson for uh, I got out of the ghetto. I know that's not, yeah. mm-hmm. that's, I'm not even sure that's why she wrote the book. I think she wrote it because it's a phenomenal, insane story. And hopefully it would inspire some people to take a different path in their life. And you know, when you said this should be a movie, when I finished the book, I emailed uh, her manager and said, please tell me this is being developed into a movie. Please tell me this has to be a movie. Um, and I won't tell you what he said in return because that's not my place to say. But oh, um, I'll tell you off the mic. <laughs> off the mic. Okay, off the fine. mic. Because I don't feel like that's my place to <laughs> say. Right, but, yeah, um, but I was like, I, I could see, just like you could see oh, every yeah. single person. What a horrible story. But yeah. a story that needs should have been told. I'm but glad also, it was told. like, what rich characters, because I think that she does, and her co-author, uh, Janine Amber, who I guess helped her write it. I think it is very well written. I do Because too. I think a testament to the fact, like, it's not just that the story is phenomenal, but all, I mean, it just... You it could feels just, like fiction. Yeah. Like, I don't yes. think you... I don't know. I can't ever read a, an autobiography that quickly. It mm-hmm. really did feel like fiction. There was a couple of yes. points where I was like, this is real. Yes. Like, it... I don't know. Because it was well written. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, yes. It really was. It was written in a way that you just locked right in and mm-hmm. got sucked right into it. And um, it, it, it wasn't a complicated book. She didn't complicate yeah. it with a lot of big words, right. fancy words. You know, that's not Miss Pat's story anyway. Or, or even so, to try to justify any of it. Like no, it was. Yes. It was really just so real. And yeah, genuine. it was warts and all. And she did yeah. not hide her complicity in things like she just she really went for it and just told it all i i'm so impressed i (laughs) i was so blown away too i was blown away by miss pat as a human being i've known miss pat for a while i'm not close to her by any means but she's been here a few times i sat in on a podcast with her and bert and she she and i've talked about growing up in atlanta and stuff and and uh, I really like Miss Pat very much before I read this book. I, I like her. Now I look at her, which she probably wouldn't want me to, but I do look at her a little differently because I go, I mean, the monumental effort it took to become Miss Pat from the childhood she experienced is uh, almost indescribable, right? How she had to... Yeah. Change the way she processed the world, you know. Um, for those who haven't read the book, I guess we should explain a little bit. 
what the book is about, maybe not to ruin it for anybody. I know it's hard to do it without being like spoiler alert. So I think, you know, you should say anybody who's going to read this spoiler alert, we may be talking about things that you you're going to find out halfway through or three quarters of the way through because we're probably going to talk about it all. But I don't think it'll spoil the book. Like just knowing the facts does not spoil the journey, really. Well, half the people have already probably watched Ron Rogan and on Ari Shafir's podcast, which is how she kind of first came to light. And I think she's kind of told the story. I purposefully didn't listen to the Rogan interview before our book club. Yeah, I'm likewise. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted I to talk to. about the book. Me not too. anything else that came up. Me too. So I'll listen to Rogan after. And then Miss Pat's going to come on here on Wife of the Party, which I'm super excited about. Uh, she was supposed to be on when I was in Bali. She asked if she could come on and I was in Bali. So I couldn't do it. I was really bummed too. But... um yeah, so anyway, let's talk about this book. How do we start? Where do we start? <sighs> Where do we start? Yeah, I don't know. That's I a mean, good question. I have questions I, for her. I, that's funny. I do too. You do? I do. So maybe you should come on the podcast too. Maybe we should all <laughs> podcast with her and go, we have questions. We have notes. <laughs> I have notes. I wonder if she ever saw her granddaddy again. You know, her yeah. granddaddy went to jail. There are several people in the book that I was like, I wonder what happened to that character. I Me wonder too. what happened to that person who was so instrumental at this one particular yeah. point in her life. Like, where is that person now? Yeah. Yeah. And does she have contact with them? Yeah. yeah. And her grandfather, that's, that's a really good example yeah. of how rounded the characters were and also how well written the book was. Because on the surface, her grandfather is running an illegal uh Bar, really? Yeah, like a moonshine bar. Yeah, a moonshine bar out of his house (laughs) where little kids are living, and like you know, these a lot of these men and women are extremely disreputable characters (laughs) and predators, etc. So on the surface, as an adult, as a parent, when I hear that, I think that's fucking sick. What is wrong with that man uh, having children in his, you know? living in this moonshine business, but he was such a wonderful character and I loved him so much. He was so caring to her. He, was, he, yeah. he really took care of her and he really saw her mm-hmm. as a person. And, um, he was her port in the storm. Yeah. He and he that. was yeah. just doing, and I really got the sense he was doing the best he could with yeah. the tools that he had. Right. And he really had a successful business. It he was did. a successful moonshine business, right. but it was a bar in his living room. It was it a was successful, successful business. Bar. Yeah. And he was supporting yes. himself and his kids and his grandkids through this business. And I think it's a real testament to how the book was written and also the person that she is that to paint a picture of some of these people that on paper might be not, you know, not a good character. Right. But I just loved him. And I, and I, w- I was the same as you wondering all through the book, when's her grandfather going to appear? When is he, he going <laughs> to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, she never said what happened to him. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if he died in jail. I don't know if he got yeah. out. I have no idea. So I have to ask her that. Yeah. But that I think you bring up a really good point that we could use in life in general, which yeah. is on paper. Oh, right. my God. Yes. We all make assumptions about people based on our unconscious bias. Yeah. Right. And on paper, that guy was pretty bad, but yeah. he wasn't bad yeah he was good to her he was really good and where i thought of that actually i didn't think of it in those terms 
But I thought, I wonder how many times I've looked at something from the outside, not understanding the inside and made a judgment about it. Because you could definitely look at all of her life and have a huge judgment on it, especially when you think about the African-American culture in America. I grew up in the South where um, I heard a lot of talk about, you know, black people um, living on the system and these people live on the system. Uh, Rabbit lived on the system. But reading but this book, you're like, how the fuck would she have survived? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Without the exactly. system and That's without all the illegal right. stuff. That's that right. I was going to say, the system didn't no, even exactly. help all that much. No, it wasn't helping her. It wasn't enough. That's right. And yeah. it didn't protect her. Or That's right. So, it didn't help her mom. It didn't help her. Yeah. It didn't help it. I mean, it, it, the help was minimal. Yeah. There was help. But it wasn't yeah. what a white person in the 70s in rural Georgia thought was happening. I think yeah. what I was taught was happening was not what was happening, right? Yeah. I was taught they're just laying around, you know, mm-hmm. being lazy people, yeah. smoking, drinking, drawing off the government. I'm paying her rent. I'm paying her right. food and stuff, which is true, but just only just a little bit because then if you look inside if you pull the curtain back you go wow this is disastrous yeah i mean this is and you could say that about her mother because her mother was someone who was watching soaps yes (laughs) yeah plugging the tv into the neighbors (laughs) stealing electricity Uh, yeah stealing electricity when she had no electricity or hot water for her children (laughs) and yeah and was living off the system but that living off the system provided for her kids and also even just looking at her mother like the horrible life that her mother led to get her to the place of being this alcoholic mother was really depressing I mean the mother says to her white people are better than us don't look them in the eye don't look them in the eye they are better than us oh I mean that like it took me aback too. Like when I read it, I went, "Oh, right." I mean, I didn't, didn't know that that happened in their culture. That Absolutely, that, that conversation. I mean, post civil rights movement, yeah. I think pre civil rights movement, a survival tactic would be don't look a white person in the eye you're going to get hung you know before right, but the that's civil different than saying don't look them in the eye because they're better than exactly you. Like that's i mean survival is one thing like yeah. you got to do what you got to do but that is yeah and talk about white privilege here. Is, we're three white ladies yeah, talking about right, this and this is shocking to us and i'm sure there are yeah. people listening to this going where the fuck have you been wake up people <laughs> like this like yeah the, right. this is Welcome the epitome the of white of privilege that yeah. we didn't have parents telling us don't look a black person in the eye they are better than us or don't, you know, or they're worse than you, you know, I didn't have that. Yeah. That conversation never came either for me is don't look a black person in the eye. They're worse than you. Oh, um, of course not. Yeah. But, but that was implied culturally. Yeah. Don't you think that was implied in a lot of cultures that you just don't associate with black people in a certain way. And that's because they're, they're not as good as you are. So, I don't believe that, by the way. I don't believe that at all. Um, But then I look at my life today and I don't have a whole lot of African-American friends. And, you know, as a white person, I guess you could justify, well, culturally, we're different and and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with a cultural difference between an African-American person and a white person. Um, 
But at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to why I don't have a lot of black friends. You know, I don't know what that is. I, I, I feel like I see black people same as me. Like I don't go, oh, I'm not hanging out with that person. I, that doesn't happen in my brain. But if you look at all my pictures of all my vacations, I mean, I guess I do have the token Asian. So <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, I am friends with other ethnic backgrounds, but I, I don't have black people as friends. Do you guys? We, I, yes, but like that not, hang out all the time at barbecue. But not and, a ton. I mean, I don't have a huge circle the way that you guys do. You guys have your group. But the thing is, your group was formed based on people that you were associating with that school. And at our school was largely white. Yes, yeah. it is. Honestly, it's a high percentage of white people. So the people you are meeting were mostly white. Yes. So yeah, that's true. It is true. I think that's how that happens for you. It's not because you don't want to have black friends. No, it's right. not. It's it is just what you are this sort of neighborhood exposed is, to. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Ninety percent white. And it, yeah, you're right. I or mean, more. it is. It, that's true. It's true. Actually, now that you say that, it's funny that we don't really have a lot of black friends, but more like associates, people that like we hang out with through other things, but they're all through Steven's work. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's how, that's what the connection is. Like right. he knows them through business or whatever. It's not in the neighborhood. It's not. It's in the not right? Yeah. That's interesting. Cause this neighborhood Maybe, is very, is very it's white. very white. Yeah. yeah. So whose fault so is that? Right. You know, you start right. looking at yeah. institutionalized racism or unconscious biased Whose fault is that? I moved here because the school was good. I didn't move here because it was white. Yeah. I moved here because, and when I moved here, the school was like 38% free lunch or something. It was a lot different than it, it is now. Yeah. So this neighborhood was a lot different. It was. It was yeah. far more diverse and right. it's become more white as the time's yeah. gone and, on. Uh, yes. I was panting this thing came out of the pool. Like it came out <laughs> It's okay. Just pull it out of the pool. They had to interrupt, didn't they? I knew at some point. You know what it's called? Interruption number one. That's going to be the first of many. It's called Mono e Mono with Georgia and Isla. They are fighting for control of what's happening in the pool. Um, Isla thinks Georgia should be in the pool. Georgia thinks she's already been in the pool today. And she should not have to be in the pool. And that's Georgia's power play. And they can just, you know... They can talk to Miss Pat about that. Yeah, exactly. About and sibling rivalry. Exactly. And then that's, a, that's one more thing that we right. can like chalk up to, wow, this was a different experience. She really had a different experience <laughs> you know, than it's our so kids funny are having right now, fighting over the pool. I actually yeah, right? thought the same thing. There was a point at which, you know, I, I'm reading this and I like, I don't know, somehow it, we got reminded of her age. Like she's only 16. And I'm like, my kid can't make fucking cup of noodles by himself. And she's, <laughs> and she's like literally raising, raising five children, I, like two oh of her own, God. plus these other, like she's 16 for God's sake. No, I know. Like, and she made some have, questionable choices. Oh, and there was a moment yes, where it's like, but, oh, but she's doing that with these children in the house. And then like, she's fucking 16. Right. What yeah. would I have done? Right. I, right. Like when you're reminded, you're like, oh my God, 16, you might have terrible ju judgment calls anyway but also but to be terrible judgment calls plus being that responsible yeah. and that desperate like i would have made stupid and ass choices at 16 with living in yeah. a suburban upper middle class uh household with parents who i dare say if i had been pregnant at 
any of the ages that she was would have fully supported me. Uh, we wouldn't have been thrilled about it, but I am pretty confident they would have supported right. me and the baby and done whatever it took to be on your own at that age. Yeah. With, yeah. And then taking right. on the responsibility of kids that weren't even hers. Right. right. In at addition 16. to two kids at yeah. 16, uh, I'm just blown away by her strength of character, mm-hmm. even yes. though it, she did it drug dealing. It's right. like, uh, what are you? What was she supposed to do? Could she? Yeah. Could she support five children even, off of like, working at Taco Bell? No. no. Of course she but couldn't. The idea that she even could, like that, it didn't yeah. occur to her not to provide for these five children. Yeah. Like that says a lot about who she is as a human. Absolutely. It does. Like that is mind blowing. Yeah. It me. is mind blowing, and even if it's ill begotten, yeah. it was terrible. But. But at this, can you blame what her? she's supposed to do? Like, I don't what, blame her. No. Yeah, I don't blame her at I, all. I don't know that it was such a terrible decision. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she did what she had to. Yes. She got diapers on those kids, which yeah. you know what I mean? This like, is one of the things, one of the things that made me really angry because I felt like she has no avenue out. Even when the social worker came mm-hmm. and said, I have an avenue out for you. Bill Clinton has created this program where you can go to school and you can learn a trade. She was a convicted felon. Still no avenue out. Because right. then who's going to hire a convicted felon in the healthcare industry? Yes. Nobody. Right. I was so, so angry about that because yes. she would have oh. been so good yeah. as yes. a healthcare worker. I mean, it's great in the end that it didn't work out because she's a wonderful for comedian. Her. But for right. her path. Right. For, but for but how many other people? Exactly. Yes. Where I go, we have this, quote, plan, Mm -hmm. but the plan can't be executed. So it's useless. It's a useless plan. Right. Because you're targeting the very people that do have convictions. uh Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? So you're like, give them all this training. They've done all this really hard work. And then they still can't get hired. And you know what? Honestly, at a micro level, like... Miss Pat, I don't know her, but from what she accomplished by raising those kids by herself with nothing and no support, um, God, she would have been such a great healthcare worker. You yeah. Know? yeah. And with her sense of humor on top of that, her, yeah. her natural sense of nurturing to take in all these kids that were not hers. Yeah. She would have been such a huge asset to the healthcare industry. Like, can you imagine going into your doctor's office and the the yeah. um, healthcare aide who comes to take your blood pressure or whatever is is Ms. Pat, Pat, you know, right. cracking jokes yeah. and being naturally nurturing. I mean, she would like, it's a huge loss. Yes, it was, yes. It's a fucked up system. Exactly. Yeah. I listened to this podcast and I can't remember which one it was. Sorry. But the guy on the podcast was, he was a senator and he did something wrong and it was a felony and he, he went to jail. And I can't remember. Sorry, I have no memory. It's been like three months since I listened to this, but it really stuck with me. In jail, he's a felon and he's with all these other fellow felons. And he starts going, huh, you're really smart. Oh, you're really smart. Wait a minute. Everybody in here pretty much is really, really smart. They're problem solvers. They're workaround finders. And he started asking his fellow inmates, what, what do you think you're good at? And they'd say, well, I'm good at hustling or I'm good at, you know, I'm good at collecting money from people who owe me money. OK, well, where in the world of like legit work does that skill, is that a benefit? So when he got out of jail, he started a nonprofit that helps convicted felons figure out their strength and get a job in that arena. 
And I believe he like, quote, sponsors them for a job so that, you know, if someone goes, I don't hire felons, he kind of says, well, his foundation kind of sponsors it, if I understand that correctly. But I understood mm-hmm. correctly that he started looking and going, every one of these people were failed by the educational system because they go, oh, you have bad behavior, then you go get suspended. You are selling drugs, so you go to jail. Instead of saying, I mean, obviously, if you're selling drugs, you're breaking the law. In On some level, you should go to jail. But instead of looking at the what's under that and saying, what is your strength? What are you good at? What You're using your best skills to survive. So how can we use those best skills in in a legit job Um, and he's helped so many people get regular jobs after they're convicted felons been in jail and i the whole time i was listening to that i kept thinking that same thing i think all the time is what happened to vocational school in public high school what happened to a free education that had a path to a job not just a free education Everybody has a right to a free education, but there was a time in this country where vocational school was offered at every high school so that you had a path. Now, you may still say, fuck it, I don't want to do it and sell drugs, but at least there was some option. And there's, especially in the communities where, I mean, come on, there are communities where virtually everyone in the school is similar to Miss Pat, where the whole school is socioeconomically devastated and drug challenged and single parent household and has no money and they're all on government assistance those schools need some serious overhauling because the kids have no hope i think they leave there with no no way of seeing any other path i thought the whole time i was reading this book too I kept thinking about the hillbilly elegy book that I've brought up several times where that guy went to Harvard and all these people were doing things that he even even know to ask about. Like they were getting summer jobs with lawyers or judges and he didn't even know that job existed. So he didn't even know to look to start looking for those summer intern jobs. Someone had to say, hey, listen, this is how this works. And if we don't do that for people who don't know how to do that, what do you expect? How do you expect people to make a different choice? That I kept thinking that. I'm going to ask her if she's ever read that book or how she feels about that because I think that really is true. She didn't, I mean, her granddaddy run an illegal moonshine bar. I mean, her mother's an alcoholic. Right. There's a generational yeah. piece to this. Yes. Yeah. There's, no, there's no one to say, just so you know, this is not the only choice for you. Well, absolutely. If well, you think about it, most people, like a huge amount of kids go into the family business, whatever yeah. that is. If their parents are lawyers, then they like, oh, okay, I'll be a lawyer or a judge or something that's yeah. like mm-hmm. related or, you know, in healthcare or whatever, doctor, nurse, etc. Um, you Because you know about that job. I yeah. feel that all the time when I'm, when we talk about like getting a second career uh-huh. going, all the time I'm meeting people who have a job that I did not even know existed. Oh, yeah. And I'm that from is. an upper middle class mm-hmm. like neighborhood. But, you know, honestly, most of us know about teacher, police officer, doctor, fireman. lawyer, fireman, like, yeah. the you know, the basic ones that you learn in preschool. Like and it doesn't extend much beyond that. Maybe like oh. graphic artist. Yeah, right. <laughs> or whatever. Like, but you we don't really know of a ton of jobs. And I'm constantly meeting people and going wow, how'd you even know that 
job existed. Like, right? how, how do you find right. out about get there? jobs yeah. like that? Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure it's even more so because I'm so much older than a millennial. That, you know, <laughs> it's like there are all these jobs now for millennials, like um, social media manager. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. Podcast producer. Millennials are probably going, you didn't know about that? Know, yeah. Right? They're like, oh, no, didn't know yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Sort of to piggyback on what you were saying about the educational system. Like one of the things that killed me was the teacher who was like, "Ugh, you're dirty. Get out. Oh, my God. You're dirty. Like you don't you don't dress as nice as these other girls. Like you're therefore less worthy. Like this is supposed to be a place where you can get the education, where you can get the support. And it just failed. Yeah. Again, I mean, another system that failed. And that just kills me. Like, it, how do yeah. we fix that? Well, because that one teacher that there was one, showed up with toiletries you know, yeah. and clean clothes and braided her hair. Oh. I was thinking about her because I thought to myself, that's one of the ways that you can fix that is that you have adults that are wired like that woman who yeah. sees any of the children in the class and goes, okay, here's what this kid needs. Or I don't know if that's a counselor. in every child. Yeah, like, right? I think that's the problem. Well, yeah. you're not like, going to find that in those neighborhoods, unfortunately, in a lot of neighborhoods. I mean, there were teachers. I had one teacher that was the most revered teacher at elementary school told me he didn't know what to do about Isla. I, I, I don't know what to tell you about her. I don't know how she's going to make it. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? She's a white girl. How? What do you mean how is she going to make it? She's going to be fine. I just got to get her out of school. Like, we just got to get her through school. And don't make her feel like a failure because she's not a straight-A student. That's bullshit. And that happened in our neighborhood. Yeah, right. And that happened with multiple teachers at our school with my kid who has a hard time reading. So you could imagine if she also smelled bad. Yeah. And she also had nappy hair. Or was black. And was black. And had I mean, terrible clothes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, forget it. They're just completely. It's like they're. I felt like she was garbage. Yeah, that, that they, she was treated that way. Absolutely, she was garbage. And then this Ugh. one woman said, "Actually, you are not garbage. Right. You are worth yeah. me coming oh. to school thirty minutes early. Yeah. You are worth me bringing clean clothes. You are worth it. You are worth it." And that teacher, I believe, planted a seed in her that she was worth it. Because if you think about yeah. Pat, she has four siblings. She's the only one that got out of this, really. Uh, that we know of, right. according to the book, she, she's the only one that got out of this cycle of crime and super dysfunction. And I just wonder if her grandfather planted a seed and then this teacher planted the same seed, mm-hmm. like same mm-hmm. kind of seed. And then another that, the, that one guy that, that was drug that, dealing with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guy that was like a brother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I thought the same thing, actually, yeah. that she had very specific, only one, but it was specific people that really wanted her to grow mm-hmm. and told yeah. her she was worth more. Yes. And they like just popped up a little bit throughout her life, but they were there. And I feel like it was that constant reminder, that constant message, like you are better than this. You can do more than yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the if sad part that, about that, yeah. the very upsetting part, I mean, the hopeful part about that was that those people existed, mm-hmm. but from like, I just imagining her, cause this was in elementary school yeah. mm-hmm. that that happened and the absolute uncaring of her main teacher, the complete lack of caring of the principal when she's eating yeah. another kid's 
lunch because she was starving. She was sneaking. Because she wasn't yeah. getting food at home. Yeah. And because they, and the, instead of wondering why is a child so hungry that she, you know, is she she's eating another child's yeah. lunch, like that he paddles her. Yeah. Like that she, I mean, absolutely. Oh, I can't even talk about it. Like, it's so, it's really, really upsetting. It's very upsetting. And the amount of teachers and people like adults who failed her yeah. is absolutely disgusting. And to know that that goes on, because mm-hmm. this is just one person. It's just yeah. Miss Pat's story. Yeah. And um, the, the lack of empathy of people who are in these jobs that are when you think of teacher and like elementary school anybody who works in an elementary school they should like kids yeah they should be caring at the very the very basic level and to know that that they weren't and that that was probably not just affecting miss pat but Mm -hmm. all these other kids that's the piece right so miss pat has this one teacher who comes in but she's a specialized teacher who helps with reading so she helps four kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. What about the other 20 kids in the class that are still being treated like dirt that don't get that one piece right. that says yeah. you are valuable? Right. Like, so we, we, me, I didn't do shit, obviously. Um, like this one person gets saved. But what about those other 20 kids that it's don't? tragic. It's that continue tragic. the cycle. Like, yeah. that's yeah. so terrible. Like her four siblings who yeah. didn't have that right. teacher. Who didn't have the teacher or and anyone else, maybe. They yeah. experienced, maybe not the same, but definitely no, the but same environment as Miss Pat. The, their experiences, no ones are exactly the same. But it's the same environment. They're growing up in the same alcoholic, abusive, changing houses every six months, getting evicted, stealing electricity, grifting churches for food. It's all the stealing same Stealing from thing. the Goodwill uh, donation, donation bin, yeah. bin, which again is one of those things that if you hear it on paper, you go, oh, who steals from the Goodwill donation bin? How dare you? That's those are donations, and then you go, oh my god, steal away! Like I, right? Like what? That's place what they're do you there have for. To be in oh to actually god. steal. So yeah, then take it. Yeah. Oh my god! Right? Isn't that crazy? Like to not even be able to afford to pay Goodwill prices <sighs> for right for clothes is it's horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. But yeah, I don't know. It made me think about how much I don't know. Yeah. How much I don't understand, right? I think Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty enlightened person, but I really don't understand a lot. I don't understand anything she lived through. I mean, at all. I had a crazy mother. My mother was not like this. Yeah. Crazy mother who fed you and got you to school on time. Who loved me. And yeah. Wasn't an alcoholic. Yeah. Just had her own troubles, but nothing. I was never food insecure ever. Oh, my God. And I mean, the teacher for fucking like judging her for sh- rolling into school late. Like, yeah. oh, what time is it, Pat? And, uh, oh, my God. Like she was rolling into school late because she had a mother who fucking didn't get her up for school. Her brother like, did. She was passed out. Yeah. Her brother got her Can up you for imagine? school And then she was like a little kid. Wasn't she like six or seven or eight? Yeah, or, you yeah know? I think so. She was elementary school age. Can you imagine any of our children getting their asses up in time to go to school <laughs> today and then going no. to school. If I didn't wake them up and it was a school day, they'd be like, woohoo, day off school. <laughs> yeah. You I'm know, not going. she right. even had the like get up and go to want to, to get up there. and go to school. Right. Yeah. Like <sighs> so disturbing. Yes, it was very disturbing. Let me see what else I wrote the down. Amount of 
the lack of compassion from people you expect it from. That was really yeah. hard. Yeah. That was hard. And, you know, I, I wonder, I, I think that this community for white people is very out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. I don't have to see this. I don't have to walk down Miss Pat Street and see people stealing electricity, drunk, curlers in their hair, beating their son. I don't see it. Why would I see it? I live in Whitey McWhiteville over here, which I didn't even intend to do. But I wonder if if we saw it, I think we would understand better when people are yelling and screaming about the police, uh, you know, terrorizing their community on some level. And I think we would maybe understand. I think that this sounds terrible. I don't mean this the way it's going to come out. I don't mean that white people would change it, but I do think it would start changing if white people saw it in a way that they could really viscerally feel what's going on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's not changing. And these people are living in this. And even the people that are getting out of this, and it's still not changing. So what is missing? What is not being seen or understood that we haven't stood up as a collective and said, this needs to change? Like, we need to fuck the wall (laughs) going around Mexico this is a real problem and and we are like this is almost like letting people starve in Africa. We have so much resource in this country. I felt I felt very ashamed that I didn't know more yeah. and that I haven't tried to do more for something I really don't know anything about. You yeah. know what I mean? And it is very out of sight, out of mind. I don't well, deal with this. it's like the ignorance right. of just, yeah. you know, we drive our roots, getting our kids to school, and we don't drive through neighborhoods that look like this. No. You know, and I'm not talking about black neighborhoods, but that look like this in terms of poverty. We don't have extreme poverty. Well, we do have poverty around us. We have homeless people. Mm -hmm. But that is the poverty we have. We don't have an entire community that we're driving through to get our kids to school going, oh my God. This needs to change. Yeah. And ignorance is bliss. (laughs) So how do we fix that? Do we fix it? Is it fixable? Is it something that can be handled? What has to happen for that to become important? Because really, if you think about everything we've talked about with these early childhood educators, then what my brain goes, well, here's a solution. You have to have a teaching certificate and a psychology certificate, and you get paid double what a regular teacher gets paid. And you go into the places that need, that are in crisis, because her community sounded like it was in crisis. It was like almost a war zone, even though at that point there were no gangs shooting and killing each other. The, The basic home life that was happening was disastrous and maybe it wasn't her whole community i don't know we're only seeing her community through her life maybe that's an assumption i'm making i don't know but i just think then if the family unit so to speak is failing how do we implement a family unit in that community so that this generation understands they have other options or there's a different way to resolve conflict or you can you can educate yourself and you don't have to be a doctor you can be a plumber and that's great 
How do we change? How do we make that shift? You know, I read a book and I cannot for the life of me remember it right now, but it was all about changing the education system. And I forget what country it was, but basically you as a culture, like the U.S. as a culture has to put a value on teachers. Oh, my God, they're making faces. Uh, sorry. Um, and I forget which country it was, but basically um, – teachers have to be revered, mm -hmm. you know, like there's so much about how teachers aren't getting paid enough or whatever, but it was, that was like the dream job and mm. not everyone could do it in this like, country, in this particular yeah. country. And you had to, and several countries actually that are very successful and whatnot. Um, but like you had to apply to university. Not everyone got to be a yeah, teacher. It couldn't like, be a second career. Is this like career. Finland or something? I feel yeah, like I read about this. Something like this. I don't want to say the wrong country, yeah. but it is, yes. European. Um, European. There was, I don't know, some uh, Asian, I don't want to say Korean, but uh, I'm doing such a bad job at complaining <laughs> this. However. <laughs> it was somewhere. Uh, it was somewhere. Bottom line, it, it was, was somewhere really important. In the world. And it was very much like this is how they turned their culture around, quite mm. literally. Um they put all of this value and they put all of this effort into making teachers be these people that really taught the next generation that created the country to be significantly better, healthier, safer, smarter, whatever, right, right. Um, all of that kind of stuff. So I feel like that is sort of what needs to happen. Right. You know, because I. I don't know. I feel like that's one way to make this change happen. Right. I think there's um, a multi-dimensional oh, change. Yeah, yeah, of course. So but, many but. things. It's like it's a chicken and the egg sort of situation yes. with a lot of things. One of the things I just read an article about um, uh, teaching meditation. I don't want this to be triggering for you, Leanne. I know ah, you like meditation no, no, is no, like no. bad um, for you, but your connotations. But anyway, um, they were teaching meditation instead of detention. So the kids, oh. instead of getting punished, were yeah, forced to meditate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that it really turned the culture around. And it reduced the amount of detentions. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, because it was teaching they didn't them want mindful. to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> Either they were trying to get out of meditation or they were no, learning some maybe. mindfulness. I'm and like, joking. I'm joking. But it, but it may have been. I mean, either no, way. No, I'm sure it was not. I'm but sure they were learning mindfulness them. and yeah. like mm -hmm. to take a minute and to breathe and right. to think. Um, instead of, instead instead of just of, being reactive. Instead yeah. of punitive. Yes. They gave them a skill. Yes. Right. Exactly. And I feel like, I mean, that's not going to solve all the problems in Ms. Pat's neighborhood, but things like that, like that even at a higher level, like when she went to jail for dealing drugs. Yeah. That it's like, what did that teacher? Right. In the end, like what was it helpful to send this single mom who had been through the shit that she'd been through with the lack of supports that she'd been through. Um, like why is it even helpful to send her to jail? She needed supports. She needed a system who didn't screw her over by once she learned the skills, once they finally got her in a program, like, Oh, you're going to learn a skill. And then she learned a skill and that, you know, what we were talking about and then, Oh, you're a felon. You can't get this job, you're whatever. Use the skill we just, just taught you. Yeah. There, the syst the entire system needs an overhaul right. of understanding. It's basically a baseline of empathy mm -hmm. instead of being punitive. Right. Um, you know, at a at a elementary school level with the meditation instead of detention, but even older to go like, okay, well, what? Why was she dealing drugs? 
to look at that, to like right. have a, a judicial system that cares about that, mm-hmm. that instead of just saying, oh, well, she's dealing crack, mm-hmm. fuck her to jail. You go right to look at it and go, wow. But look at how well she was doing for herself. Look at how well she took care of these kids. Right. And, um, you know, to just have some empathy. Yeah, I think empathy is definitely missing. I think it's hard for a lot of people. Um, I think it's hard for a lot of people to to let go of the rules of society. Yeah, Rules of society are there because we need them. They're necessary. If not, it would be absolute mayhem. So I get that. Someone is breaking the law by selling crack. They should be taken off the street because they are contributing to the delinquency of this whole group of people they're selling crack to. That's not cool. Right. So I think probably part of the problem in not being able to make any kind of reform for people who deal in drugs in any capacity is that piece is that, well, you know what? You broke the law. You go to jail. That's just clear we can't make an exception for you because you had a bad life this person maybe just thought it was cool to sell crack and so how do we make a judgment and how do you differentiate and is it necessary to differentiate but we do have to have some rules i mean do we just go murderers go to jail and that i actually agree with you i'm just trying to be a devil's advocate i I understand i don't i mean that's this is not why I'm cre- this is why I'm not creating policy. <laughs> I don't Everybody know. gets a blankie. Yeah, I don't know what Everybody. the answer is, but I don't know. I either. was thinking of that sort of similar thing in when she had taken care of her sister's kids for a solid oh, decade. Oh Lord have mercy. Oh and then her sister came oh. back who was unstable, but the the rule is you go back with mom. Yeah. Even though these kids were provided for, were developing, were like golden you know what i mean for a solid decade yeah but their mom shows up who is unstable who has been on drugs or whatever i don't remember all the circumstances but they're like yeah it's mom so you're going back and then those four kids fell apart they fell totally apart like yep that is early pregnancy like that was that was devastating and that was the instance where i was like no 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 no, no, no. Like this is where the social worker makes the judgment says no 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 this is a better home environment i know your mom but maybe not right now. Right. And we can't, we're not allowed to make that judgment. But in that instance, I feel like that would have been. Yeah. That's why the black and white rule of law is just not devastating. Helpful. Well then what is the role of a social worker? But just to soften the blow, what's the role of a social worker then? If the social worker has, you know, like the social worker that kept showing up. It's the law. I know, but then go back. Yeah, I know. But I know I when that happened I went she was just fucking breaking the cycle she was breaking the cycle the cycle was being broken with all her sister's kids and at great cost and at great cost to her like Uh she just about blew up her marriage over it because suddenly oh we're taking in all these kids like yeah, she's an amazing. I mean, she she's is an amazing, amazing woman. Yeah. She is an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. But you think, like you said, this is one person's story in this culture. Right. How many mm-hmm. other people? I mean, I can't imagine anybody had it much worse than she had. I can't imagine unless somebody was like physically beating the shit out of her constantly. And everything else she was going through, it was pretty bad. But they were. Yeah. I mean, her mom... Beat but her up. Her beat her up. I mean, like, like yeah. on the yeah. rag. I mean, like every and day. And then her 
you know, adult boyfriend was beating her up on the reg. The the baby daddy. The baby daddy. Who, yeah. who should have been. That I can't was, believe uh, why didn't the social worker um, yeah. intervene and charge him with. Yeah, that's my question. Uh, too. I didn't understand what happened right. there. Why didn't the social worker have him arrested? Yeah. Right. Or at least can reporting. they can they do that? A social worker they can report it. They can't arrest him. But well, I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, you it's you're but mandated that's a problem to. with statutory like, rape. You are required by law. But with statutory to, rape, like if it requires the victim to acknowledge it, like to to say this person did this, like they if you know, I, I doubt they're going to do a DNA test back then on on the babies to find out that they really were his. Not back know. then, but I wonder if they do it now. I yeah. wonder what would happen now, yeah. today, if a girl at 13 is impregnated, impregnated by, what was he, 21 or something? Yeah, he yeah. Was, she was, he was 20 when they started dating. She was 12 years old. He was 20. Oh, I mean, disgusting. Jesus Christ. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. And then, oh. yeah, that whole thing bothered me too. And the fact that this fucker was impregnating other girls her same age at the same time. At the same time. He brought another girl to the birth. Yep. Oh, oh my, my God. God. He should be, he should have been in jail. See, yeah. that guy, yes. I think, yeah. right. I don't give a shit what's going on in your home life. No. Exactly. You are ruining other people's no, lives. Exactly. But you could, I guess, have that same argument for someone selling crack to someone who's probably ruining that person who's using, is ruining their life. You know what I mean? No, I know. I know. It's yeah. so complicated. It is. It's mental health. I think it goes back to not like she's schizophrenic mental health, but like, a lack of coping skills, yeah. a lack of that fixed mentality versus growth mentality mm-hmm. has to be learned in so some way. That's a question that I have for Ms. Pat. I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alexa. <laughs> a question that I have for her is therapy. Like, is there enough therapy in the world to get through what she got through? Did she? Ha- I don't remember if it mentioned it. Did, did she have any therapy? Because no, this is like so. she is just a strong person. Well, she did talk to that social worker every time that she'd say, "You are so funny. You should be a stand-up comedian." Yeah. yeah. So she's went to her multiple times. But that was much later. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was life. much later. Um, yeah. And I mean, it wasn't I can't like therapy, therapy, like processing things. No, she, was, she did have to yeah. go to therapy at one point when I think she did when she was a child. And she didn't like it. Maybe I'm know. making that up. I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't I can't remember. But I, I just like thought, oh, my God. Big, you know, as an adult, I would think she I, would. But I don't know. Yeah. It just to think about that, like how small <laughs> all the problems in everybody else that I know in the world yeah. That all of the problems of their lives are compared to just one of the things that she dealt with. I mean, literally, yeah, yeah. just just one, just one, like being shot at, like being shot, <laughs> yeah, being shot, not yeah. just shot at, yeah, shot right. at, shot, right. being shot, being shot, being shot. Be you know the? I mean, oh, it, there's too crack. many, too many to list. Yeah. But and, any one of those things could put you in therapy for a lifetime, right? And that she just has the mental and emotional fortitude to just deal with it and get shit done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep moving forward. And that she never became a crackhead herself. Yeah. That she never yeah. went into escapism. She never yeah. did. I mean, yeah. she thought she was in love with that boy because when you're 13 of course. and someone pays that much attention to you and you're love star neglected for yeah. so long and neglected and abused by yeah. Mr. It, Jack. Um, yeah. 
then you and go abused by her mom and yes. no yeah. and i no love dad you in the picture right. no, i mean no granddad is right. taken. once granddad was gone there was no one there was no positive male yeah. role model at all or female role model or female well that was never yeah. there yeah. but she at least had her granddaddy and then yeah. that's yeah. removed um right so when someone older starts paying attention yeah. of course it makes perfect sense she was the perfect candidate for that yeah. gross guy and even mr jack who took advantage of her and her sister that they're disgusting human beings yeah. and but what is she supposed to do you know she you get love where you can get it i think when you're in that kind of damaged place yeah. and she did just keep going talk about resilience yeah oh yeah. absolutely that's what i was thinking <laughs> after our, our last book club right. talk that i was like yeah just talk to Miss Pat about resilience. Right. Like she has all the answers because. Yeah, I'm curious. I've always been really curious to know what what did make the difference for her as opposed to her four siblings. Is it those little people sprinkled throughout? Mm-hmm. We don't know her four siblings stories. Maybe they had people sprinkled throughout their life. We don't know. But I've always wondered what causes one person to persevere where other people can't in the a same or similar scenario, like her four siblings. Yeah. They're not the same, but it's pretty similar, you know, um, and why they couldn't do it. What is that element in a human being that makes them go, I'm putting one foot in front of the other and I'm figuring this shit out somehow. And then how sweet that her husband showed up and saw who she was too. Oh, yeah. And he's really the one that went, oh. you're better than this and you yeah. have to get out of this hustle. Yeah. He, oh, just, he just, I love that I guy. I love that yeah. guy too. I love him so much. I've never, I have no yeah. idea what he looks like. How yeah. I, I mean, I've just, when he showed up and I was like, he's going to really take a chance on her. Bless his heart. Yeah. yeah. What a great person to see past the noise she was yeah. putting out, Yeah, you know, of selling crack and, oh, it was a hard book to read, wasn't it? <laughs> Easy, yes. but hard. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Easy, but page emotional. Page turner, yeah. but so emotional. Yeah. So glad I read it. Me too. Oh, yeah. I loved I'm it. I'm so glad you found I it. I loved it. Yeah. Me too. Well, she asked me to read it. This yeah. The copy I have is a proof. Uh, so I don't even know. It may be some of it may be different in your copy. She gave this to me a long time ago uh, and I started it and it was too hard. Uh-huh. And I went, I can't read this right now. I can't do it. So I put it down. Uh, she was her granddaddy hadn't even left yet. That's how early I put it oh, down. Wow. Cuz I was like I can't I can't read this right now. Uh, so I put it down and then when her manager called and said Miss Pat wants to be on your podcast and I was going to Bali, I was like that's it. I'm just going to read this book and I could not put it down. Mm-hmm. Oh. I read it like almost in one sitting practically. Yeah. Yeah. It took me 2 days, but I read it for just as much as I could, and I couldn't wait to get back to it. I couldn't wait to see how she got here because we all know it has a happy ending, which mm-hmm. it makes it easier to read, I yes, think. Well, you know absolutely. what? I got to be honest with you. I'd never heard of her. I didn't know who she was yeah, no, before yeah. you recommended this book. I yeah, had I'm no sure. idea. Yeah. I'm sure. So, yeah, I don't want to say I didn't know it had a happy ending. I mean, I kind of consciously knew that, but yeah. I didn't know anything about her until this. Yeah. She's pretty happy soul. She's a really happy person. Every time I see her, she just has a beautiful light about her. And, you know, you think if she can do that, then just about anybody on this planet can have a good yeah. light. Yeah. If you choose to, if you choose to try and work through your shit, 
you can do that too. Because, I mean, after you read this book, people listening, and you don't feel that way, I'll be shocked. I mean, there's, I don't know what is worse. Maybe the Holocaust survivors, they may have had it worse. <laughs> That's the only thing yeah. I can think of. No, exactly. Right. I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe that's it. She had that light all along. And that's what got her through. Maybe. You know? Maybe. And now it just shines brighter because there's not all that other shit going on. All the garbage. (sighs) Yeah, I finished Mm -hmm. this book and was just like, I hope she gets her own sitcom or something so that I can watch her on a regular basis Mm because I just wanted to be around her more. It was just like, I can't believe what will she get out of next? Like, What will will she live through next? (laughs) And I didn't want her to live through anything bad next, but I just wanted to see how she dealt with everything. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, her path. I mean, she's already on a great path. She's a stand-up. She's very successful. And, um, and she seems really happy and that's great. So only good things from here, right? Yeah. I hope hope so. She deserves it. She sure does, man. Yeah, man. Anything else we need to say about this book? So can I tell you the one question I want to ask her, which is so random? Okay, so obviously I read this book in one sitting. And at the very end, when there was just a few pages, like Stephen was like, all right, come on, let's go. We, we're done being at the pool. So I read them really quickly because I was like, I've got 10 pages. I'm reading the rest of this book. And the end of it was about the thank yous and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And her thank you says, thank you to my husband, Garrett. And I was like, wait, what? Who's Who Garrett? Who the fuck yeah. is Garrett? <laughs> I think what? she... And then I left yeah. the pool and like, and I could not let it go. It was in my head. And I was like, what did I miss something? Did I not read this well? Uh, Literally gave, all night. I couldn't let it go. The yeah, next morning I reread kids, it. Um, and I'm by fascinated by that the, choice yeah. because she's so open and so raw and real about everything. And she changes their names almost like she's protecting them. But then she genuinely thanks who they are in their real name. Yeah. So... There's no protection. Yeah, I was right. curious about that I was that so too. fascinated by the choice yeah. that she made for that. I was like, do you not like the name Garrett? What's happening here? I right? don't get it. Why don't you? Why is he Michael? In the movie, his right, name will be the, Michael. Right. I don't get what What was that all about? Wait, I thought, I thought she called him Garrett in the book. His no, name he's, is Michael, he's in, Michael the in the book. And they named yeah, him Michael Jr. Yeah, Michael Jr. But in oh. the at the end, it's Garrett and Garrett, and Garrett Jr. Jr. And, and the other kid. Yeah. yeah. Isn't he cute? Look at his sweet face. Oh. I love that guy. Yeah, look at that smile, right? Aww. I love him. He's so cute. And look yeah. at this one. Her son in the corner. Oh, He's so cute. cute. <laughs> They're <laughs> adorable. That's funny. That's her granddaughter. Oh. Williams, her husband, Garrett. If there's a kid, it just melts my heart, she says, because I was that kid. Oh, yeah. oh my God. And that's the truth. Like, the amount of kids she's taken in throughout the course of her life. Yeah. Yeah. She has a gigantic heart. She does. And man, she's a powerhouse. Yeah. And uh, she don't mind talking dirty. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that. I like that. I want this. Some of the questions I want to ask her. I'm kind of nervous to ask her because Uh it's not really about the book. I want to know what where Sweetie is now, her sister. Yeah. I want to know where her brothers are. And how they're doing. I want to know how the four kids that she took care of for 10 years are, where they are and what they're doing. Yeah. But I was. She talked about that a little bit. She did there. a little, but, but I want to. There's but, more. But yeah. I want to know where they, I want to know now. Yeah. Like today, where, where they are. 
But I also want to know how, and I don't know if she'll answer this even, how she feels about white people now based on how her mother told her yeah. mm-hmm. to feel about white people. How does she feel about white people now? Is that ingrained? Does she still feel, does, did she ever feel that way, the way her mother told her to feel? That well, don't I think look so, them because remember eye. the cake incident? Mm, I don't remember. Remember when I mean. she moved to Indiana, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and the yeah, white woman yeah. brought over a cake and said, welcome to the neighborhood. And she yeah. called her friend like, do I eat this? Is it poison? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about remember? that. So yes. it has to be somewhat ingrained. Yeah. For her to question so. like a white woman being nice to me. Like, what the hell is yeah. happening? I feel like everything that I was taught or learned um, like as a child through like high school when I think back if if that comes up if it's like you know like say it's about something innocuous like a dinosaur like there used to be was it pterodactyls when we were kids and now they've realized they're pteranodons or 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 is that the same thing? I don't know. Okay. Like dinosaurs have changed. Like something right. very basic. There we used lost to be a like, planet. How's that? We lost a planet. Exactly. Right. That I have to like, that I still think back to the original information. I'm yeah. like, yeah. go to tell my kids, oh, that's a brontosaurus or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, that's actually a, you know, I have Mal- to actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just wonder about things like deep things that our parents teach us things, whether they say it out loud, don't Absolutely. trust, yeah. you know, don't white people are better when you oh god makes me feel sick but you know if it's something like that or even if it's you know how they feel about money like you know oh no we don't tip that much or whatever whatever the thing is that as an adult you still go back to that knowledge or at least I still do first and then I have to remind myself no I'm a better tipper or (laughs) yeah yeah no it's a different type of dinosaur um so I would think if it was me, I would still think that first yeah. thing that my parents told me and then have to remind myself, no, that's not my thought. Right. Um, yeah. That's right. an ingrained thought that it's someone that else It's that unconscious thought. bias. And yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and what do I, I, I have to make it conscious because yeah. that's not actually yeah. how I think. Or feel. I mean, I'm 47 years old and literally a couple months ago, I don't remember what I was thinking about, but my first thought, I thought my first thought, I realized I stopped myself and said, no, that's what my parents think. What do I think mm-hmm. about that? Absolutely. At 47 years old, I was still thinking, what do I think about this thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have thoughts yeah. sometimes that are uh, very racist, to be quite honest. And I go, that was I heard that growing up. I actually don't believe that at all. <laughs> like not that that statement doesn't even no. make sense, actually, is right. is like ignorant and racist and i don't believe right. that and it still is in your head all of and a sudden. it still pops in my yeah. head and i go shit i think right. i'm really not a racist person but it's in there from the culture i grew up in. i, mean, I grew up in rural georgia in the south and in atlanta in the south and my mother sent me to private school because the school district we lived in was predominantly black and she went nope you're not going wow. to a black school and you know Part of you can say, well, that might have been a good choice if I was like one of the very few white kids at an all black school. That might have been very hard. But at the same time, it was her connotation. It was her tone of voice when she talked about it, where it didn't mean like, yeah, I don't want my daughter to be a duck out of water. That's not what she was saying. Mm -hmm. She was saying, you're not going to that school. No. And I don't think I have that in me. But also... I'm also not aware of the unconscious stuff 
that happens all the time for everybody because you, like you said, you're so inundated as a kid with whatever the culture is, you know, with whatever it is. Um, I mean, I think about things now where even just like practical things that involve building something where my brain knows how to build stuff because I grew up building stuff. So then that stuff, I don't even really think, oh yeah, I need to measure that. I just measure it and then realize, oh, I just knew how to do that. But I wonder how many white people, not just me, have these kind of almost like um, automatic thoughts that come from the way you grew up. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as a white person says, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, I think you can't really say that as a white person uh, entirely, you know. Well, because we benefit from a system of racism systemic racism like the white privilege that we benefit from even if you didn't ask for it and don't you know say you don't want it we are benefiting from white privilege so we are beneficiaries of a racist system right yes and we we should we should have we should take a little more responsibility for that than i think we do as a culture and to, to understand you know like that time that Georgia <laughs> grifted Universal Studios and said she had a bum knee and she needed a, a front of the line pass for a bum knee. And we got so angry at her. Not only is that stealing, it's like so unethical on so many levels. But Bert said to her, here's another layer. You are a blonde white girl. You can get away with stuff that a black girl your same age saying your same words asking for the same privilege would never get and there is a responsibility that you have to not ever take advantage of that white privilege Mm. if you can help it like there's sometimes in the systemic way we work where we can't you can't help it like there's it's just the way life works sometimes but in that choice that she made that was another layer of why that was wrong. There were other yeah. layers also, but that was, I'm glad that Bert put that layer yeah. on there yeah. so that she has, because I didn't think of it. It didn't occur to me, oh, you're a white girl, you get more. I didn't think about that, but he yeah. did. And he went, you are responsible in a different way than ethnic people are responsible and you have to behave that way you can't just go yeah i get it and not have any awareness that these other people don't because of the color of their skin Mm -hmm. and i think we don't do that enough in life we may not be able to change the system but we could definitely be aware of that yeah yeah you know where Mm -hmm. we get privileged that other people don't and to have the conversation yeah and to have like that's super important like because how do you teach the next generation if you're not having the conversation with them Right. They're they're going to be just as ignorant. That's yep. true. Yeah. I mean, hell, I was ignorant. Yeah. I would never have thought of that in a huh. hundred years. Never. Which is terrible, no. but I wouldn't have. No. Yeah. When Bert said that, I was like, this is why I married you. <laughs> <laughs> you are really smart. <laughs> You're smart in a different way than I'm smart. We got in an argument the other day because um, he he was asking me something that was going on for him emotionally. And I was trying to explain to him fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I was he was holding on to something really stupid. And I was like, well, if you look at it in this growth mindset, you can let it go. And he goes, I fucking hate you. I hate you that you do this to me. And I went, no, you don't. You you hate me because I'm as smart as you are. And he went, nope. (laughs) I said, yep, I'm as smart as you are. I may not be smart in the same areas, but I'm the same smart. Nope. 
Yes, I am. Nope. Yes, I am. It is 20 minutes of that. <laughs> I was like, I am really smart, but I'm not smart like he is. I never would have thought to have brought that up. So maybe that's something we need to take responsibility for as a white mm-hmm. culture is to, to have our kids realize and be grateful and be humbled by that privilege instead of thinking of it as a right, an unconscious right. And not yeah, want to really. perpetuate it and right. like, yeah. be conscious enough to not want to perpetuate that. Because even though you get good things, they are ill-gotten gains. In some know? ways. And, you know, I, I also at, this, at the same time feel like um, we shouldn't, it shouldn't make us feel bad to be white. I no, shouldn't feel not. bad to be white because I am of the, quote, privileged class. Just like we shouldn't feel bad if we were gay because that's just, you're born, like we're born yes. with our skin. We're born with... Yes. All of that. Yeah. No control over that. I did not make the choice to be a white girl with freckles. I would have chosen no freckles, <laughs> but I didn't get that choice. So, so yeah, I don't want my kids to ever feel bad about being white, but I don't think they do. But just to be aware that it means more than maybe we make them aware of. Right. I don't know. How do we wrap this up, ladies? <laughs> it's a good book. Read it. It's a great it's a book. Really good it book. is a really good yeah. book. It's an eye-opening book. Yeah. Yes. It definitely made me think about race in a different way. You know, this is probably not very flattering, but sometimes, you know, when someone yells at you about something, you listen less. And sometimes lately, I feel about a lot of liberal issues and some race issues, I feel I'm yelled at a lot. Not personally, but like, this is the position and this is what you should believe and this is what's happening. And I don't process that well. Just experiencing her story made me listen in a way I felt like I haven't been listening. Mm -hmm. Maybe in a long, long time. Um, Because I feel like things are so shoved in your face and you either agree with me or you're a racist or you agree with me or you're not liberal or you agree with me or you are not kind. And I just don't believe that's true. I believe there's variations in belief for every issue and that I don't have to be if we were all completely in alignment with each other. I mean, it's an impossibility. It's It's an impossibility. But I think that that's what it's expected from all aspects of the things that we argue about as a culture now, not just race, but sexuality and abortion and everything. It's just you, you're either with me or against me. And I get tired of that because I feel like I'm neither one or the other. I have opinions both ways. And this book made me, it was so not that. It was so like, look at my experience of life and me going, oh my God, this is just awful. And how do we look at things differently now? So I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, look, I would like to just say we are two for two. We have just read two books in a row in this book club that we all that enjoyed. Yeah. That's true. That is a miracle. That I would recommend. <laughs> recommend. I think these are, are these, these are probably our best reads so far. I think where so. Where we all liked them as yes. much as we did. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. It takes two, two thumbs minutes. up. <laughs> two <laughs> thumbs up. So the next book we're reading is called Mindset. Oh God. Carol Dwick, Dwick, D-W-E-C-K. Oh God. Are you not enjoying it? I haven't started it. I'm just oh, dreading it. Oh, Godding! You because I it. picked it up and it's just dense and it. 
I don't know. I want to. Yeah, I'll try to go into I, it with a better attitude, Leanne. <laughs> it's not. At least it's not like a four hundred page book. Yeah, it's not super long. And I sat down today and read for about forty minutes. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to just plow through it. Um, and I am learning in this book, but okay. it's hard to go from Miss Pat. Yeah. And the book before that, where you're kind of devouring it yes. to something that moves a little more academically. Yeah. It is hard to shift those gears. Yeah. But I think there's a lot to be learned in this book, um, a lot to discuss. Because um, okay. I'm, I'm making a lot of notes in the margins in this book where I go, this is fascinating. And then I'll read like six more pages and then go, oh, yeah, this is fascinating too. So, okay. but it's called Mindset. It's about fixed versus growth. Um, mentality and uh, that's our next book club book so join us if you care to <sighs> thanks for listening every week I can't wait for Miss Pat to come back to LA so I can have her on and discuss whatever she wants to discuss that is so interesting yeah. yeah she's a fascinating woman she is a fascinating woman she's a unique powerful fascinating woman so now everybody can listen to her on Joe Rogan too yeah yeah I will see what that's about I yeah. hear it's amazing so I can't wait to listen to it. Me too. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank you thank for you always for suggesting it. Yeah. Yeah.